In our today's episode, we talk with Ron Iming. Ron is a Dutch-Irish-Spanish entrepreneur with extensive experience in entrepreneurship, intrapreneurship strategy, innovation, and small-medium enterprises engagement. He helps companies to ensure their future by improving their business models, working directly with the CEO or the owner. He's also an author, speaker, and entrepreneur. The unique wide perspective Ron has worked with universities, membership organizations, corporate clients, government departments, public agencies, and with hundreds of businesses, is giving him a unique spectrum of perspectives on running businesses in high complex environments. Currently, Ron writes books about books, and he works with a number of companies on implement a 100-day approach to strategy execution. He also helps business people write their own book to enhance their profile and earning capacity. He works with companies on strategy development and infrapreneurship and runs climate change startup acceleration programs for Trinity College Dublin and Climate KIC. to be here with uh, with us today. Welcome. Likewise, uh, Spiros. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Okay, um, Ron, uh, we had a short conversation in the previous days according to the delightful things that uh, you have done during your journey. But uh, before we jump to the fruitful conversation that uh, we have for today, uh, please provide us a brief uh, overview of your journey. Where were you before? How did all that started and how did you came oh, up? Oh, see, that's a very long, uh, I'm an old man, so that's a very long story, but just uh, I was trained at university level to become an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. set up my first company when I was 20, uh, selling books at the university in, uh, in Harlem as sort of a parallel uh, export uh, gig. I then set up a company as a consultant, which failed miserably, which just shows you that university doesn't prepare you for uh, entrepreneurship at all. I then set up a collective of uh, entrepreneurs who help long-term unemployed to develop their own uh, business uh, in Harlem and another few municipalities. And the whole idea was to create, to help long-term unemployed to create their own employment. That was all funded through the European Social Fund. Uh, that meant that I had the opportunity to travel abroad to do exchange programs. One of those exchange programs brought me to Ireland, where I learned to drink Guinness mm -hmm. and where I fell absolutely madly, utterly in love with uh, an Irish uh, young lady. And six months after I moved over to Ireland and I set up my company there did a few interesting things. I helped set up the local employment services in uh, Ireland. And I wrote my first book on business planning, which became a bestseller. That led to another bestseller and another bestseller. And eventually my company got taken over by a publishing house, the largest business publisher in, uh, in Ireland, which sounded awesome. 
Yeah. But uh, what I didn't realize, it was like having a very big shark, shark in a tiny little bowl. So tiny bowl, big shark flapping on top of it. And we were in the middle of the transformation between book printing and digital printing and digital uh, concepts. And uh, we also published a few books that became flops. And then you have a big stock problem. And um, I realized that if you're not successful with, with publishing and the risk is very, very high, it's a mox game. So I, I left. I was asked to manage the innovation center for Dublin City in a university where I worked with high potential startups, intellectual property commercialization, and helping to SMEs to engage with the university on research and then commercialize it further. Absolutely awesome, really bright people, but also uh, very, very, very slow. I don't wow. know if you work with universities, but they have a completely different uh, time frame than uh, other people. So a play garden of opportunity, but not many people interested in exploiting those opportunities. And as an entrepreneur, that becomes incredibly frustrating. So I, I left, set up a company called BookBoss, where we use books as a platform to solve problems. Mm -hmm. So rather than reinventing the, the wheel, every problem that you are encountering, somebody has written a book about it. An, an American has published a book, an article in Harvard Business Review, wrote a book about it. All the things have been thought about before. So why would you use not the best business minds to help you to solve your problem? So we would uh, put the executive team around the table, mm -hmm. get them to read 40 pages of the same book and use that as a platform to discuss the problem and solve it. Mm -hmm. A little bit of question storming. Did that for a number of uh, years, got asked by a bank who was in the middle of the crisis in 2008 to set up a platform for entrepreneurs and small and medium-sized companies to help each other by setting up an online community. I uh, did that for uh, 10 years. And then in 2017, I sold my book post company to another company, or the base, it, it, they took it over, and I moved to Spain. And now I spend my time writing books, about books mainly, I do some uh, interesting work in the area of entrepreneurship, and I do a lot of coaching in the area of strategy uh, and innovation for particularly startups that are in the area of climate change and for SMEs that need to reinvent themselves. So that's been my journey, and now I am old, gray, and 56. Come on. <laughs> that was um, by definition. VUCA uh, journey. So, Ron, how do you deal with VUCA? Oh, see, I've been thinking about this. I, I, so I've been an entrepreneur all my life, apart from the, the four years uh, that I was working for uh, the university. I think VUCA is a, an essential part of every entrepreneur. I think VUCA has always, uh, has always existed. And uh, I think, uh, uh, I think VUCA is more a mindset than a phenomenon. And once you are open to the opportunity and, uh, and aware, I think that's the biggest problem. 
then uh, VUCA is a fantastic thing because VUCA creates opportunity. A bit more on that because for the majority of the people, uh, the, um, the thing is that when things go wrong or forgive me shit, uh, then yeah. the problems appear and they sink, uh, trying to solve problems uh, or even to stay alive. So, uh, how, according to your perspective? The, okay, the, 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 I'm I'm writing uh, my own book uh, at the moment, and uh, obviously I read way too many books. But there's a there's a book called Future Vision. Which said that uh, the f the faster you go, the further you need to go to to look ahead. And uh, I think VUCA should not come as a surprise. Mm -hmm. I think ignorance is not a defense, and that VUCA is everything to do with situational awareness, and that you are aware of what's coming down the track. I think career and entrepreneurship and leadership are all about predicting the future. Mm -hmm. Because it's not only it's not only, what's relevant is not only where you are today, but it's also your place in a future or a possible future, one, two, three, five, ten years into that uh, future. Because you need to be at home uh, in the world that that then uh, exists, which means that you need to work on your awareness all the time, and that's the problem. I, I work with a lot of uh, owner managers that are nearly blissfully unaware and you know when we had the conversation before it's like the boiling frog mm -hmm. you're literally swimming in the water and it's all nice and warm and cuddly and then suddenly it comes to boiling point and you're dead and i think unawareness is like being a boiling frog which means that you need to train yourself to become aware which is so that's how you deal with uh with VUCA. see because I, 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 I spot trends and watch for trends uh, for companies uh, all the time. And you literally have an ocean of information available to you. Okay. And you can't know everything. But it's literally, so the first thing you need to do is simplify the environment. Because you have to accept that you can't know uh, everything. And the way to simplify your environment is by linking your, uh, your information dashboard to your strategy, which means you need to develop a strategic fil filter. Now, mm -hmm. we, we developed this thing called the strategic uh, box, but there's literally six statements that you need to develop as the frame through which you, through the lens through which you look at the world. Anything that's inside the frame is relevant. Anything that is outside the frame is less relevant. And the, uh, the, the statements that you look for is a vision statement. Mm -hmm. a very visual perspective, a YouTube video of you, you and your business 10 years in the future, a passion statement, because in the world of robotics and AI, passion is the only thing that you can compete on. So what are you and your company passionate about? Mm -hmm. A value statement, which is the ethics of your company or your guiding principles, 10 guiding principles through which you operate and principles in itself is a, is, a, is a really interesting topic because that frames part of your own decision making and those of your staff. And actually, mm -hmm. if you do principles really, really well, that could be the guiding light. You don't need to do much on organizational structure. You just make sure you have a number of uh, principles that people can uh, work uh, with. 
you have a positioning statement, which is how you want to be perceived in the marketplace. You have a reason for being or a purpose statement or mission mm -hmm. statement. And then you have a number of resources available to you. And if you define those six statements, you have a filter to which you can look at uh, things. And then the trick, which is why we work with 100-day plans, is not to try to set goals for 10 years in the future. Because you have no idea how the ocean, the ocean might just wave, the ocean might go, the car might go against you. So you set goals every 100 days and you keep on moving. And the point is the movement rather than the, the uh, direction. And if you do that, you have your, uh, your filter. And I think then the other thing is, the question is, if you look at VUCA, if you look at all, particularly the technology trends, as a typical owner manager of a company, do you think you have the ability to catch up or stay even ahead of the curve? And, and, and the reality is, in a lot of cases, you can't. There's not a hope in hell that you will uh, develop the next chat GPT. Mm -hmm. There is not a hope in hell that you will develop the next uh, CRISPR. So I think uh, you need to go back to the core of who you are as a human being okay. and uh, what, uh, what type of business you are in, and which, and which is really interesting then, because I think social uh, enterprise and normal enterprise is starting to merge, which means that you need, need to start looking for purpose. You need to start looking for, uh, uh, for meaning. You start looking for uh, authenticity, because those are the things that uh, nobody else can compete uh, with you. And also means that you need not only be clear on that for your business, but it also means that you need to have some tools to keep your mind uh, at ease, which I think meditation should be a, a fundamental part of every entrepreneur's uh, life. I okay. think you need to learn to become a stoic. But I think you need to learn to be an uh, observer. Sure, I 100% I, I agree. But here we, we come up with, uh, with a thing that uh, at least me personally have to cope uh, in very, very frequently. Uh, when we talk about purpose, and as we are talking business, the purpose is to earn money in order, first of all, to keep your business alive, plus the people that are you working with or are working with. I, I agree with you, but money is not the ultimate uh, aim. It's a means to an end. Okay. And uh, seriously, if you want to, uh, if you want to uh, recruit millennials and talent, if you are only in a business for the money, you will not attract the talent that you uh, need. But if you are here to solve climate change, mm -hmm. or if you are here to cure cancer, or if you are here to uh, make people happier, healthier, uh, better, that is a completely different uh, perspective on uh, doing business. And I think in the near future, um, there is no other way than uh, doing business uh, that way. I actually think that, because uh, I'm very active in the area of uh, climate change, Mm -hmm. And if you look at concepts like natural capital cost and uh, having to pay for your impact on the environment, I think a lot of the large companies that have raped and pillaged this, uh, this world will get sued. 
Shell is going to get sued. BP is going to get sued. Coca-Cola is going to get sued. Every piece of plastic and every part pollution that they have uh, left, they will have to clean up at full cost and maybe even at restorative uh, levels, which will, make, will, which will mean that a lot of those companies who are purely driven by money will go bankrupt. And I don't think morally there is no choice, but I think in the new economic models, donut economy, uh, et cetera, there will be no other way of doing it. And uh, we're not ever going to have a choice because uh, if we don't, uh, as you know, there's no plan, planet B, um, there won't be a world to, uh, to live in. And I think economically, politically driven by consumers and particularly millennials, uh, that choice will be taken away from, uh, from CEOs. They will have to become social and they will have to become purpose driven. Okay. That makes sense. So um, this brings us to. But to just to say, but if you see, I keep on explaining that to uh, our climate startups. If you don't have a viable business model mm -hmm. that is sustainable from a financial perspective and actually makes money, mm -hmm. can, and we can have a long discussion on how you would define uh, money, yeah. you uh, you you won't have a uh, you won't survive. Because okay. our economic models still drive uh, around money. Now, I think that's going to change, but uh, yes, sustainability and money go hand in hand. Awesome. Makes sense. So, I again will return to the previous thing because the question uh, yeah. will be the same. We at the moment talked about vision, values, principles, mission statement, etc. etc. So, yeah, this means that. Um, uh, the, the people that want to involve with business, they need to um, to innovate, to bring something on a different from a different perspective. So, do you believe, or have you realized that uh, the companies that are coming up uh, nowadays are innovating, that they they consume innovation, or they produce innovation? See, the, most of the, I, I work a lot of banks and uh, if, you, uh, if you look at their innovation capability, it is pretty limited, mm -hmm. to be quite uh, honest. But, uh, and the problem is, particularly with uh, large companies, because I've done a lot of research in, uh, into entrepreneurship, it's the collect, collective ability of organizations to flex their change muscle. Okay. And the problem is that a lot of companies do not flex their change muscle. They, there is no uh, idea flow. There's no um, pipeline of uh, ideas. There is no sense of experimentation. There is a wrong attitude towards failure. There is the tendency to try to pick winners. And we all know that that's uh, impossible. That's why. Uh, a VZ uh, venture capitalist uh, invests in 100 companies and only two survive. So why would any, anybody else um, try to pick uh, the winner? So experimentation becomes part. And, but it's the, it starts with, I think, the collective awareness of an organization of their environment. Okay. And that cannot only be the CEO. That needs to be everybody within a company from... But we always use the janitor as the, as the example, but it needs to be the, the, the customer facing. People need to be aware of the changes. Actually, they are the, the, the people that are most aware of the, the changes. 
It needs to be the technicians, it needs to be the software developers. That's why I think citizen development is such an interesting concept. Because mm -hmm. not only does that, uh, do, they, uh, do they become more aware of what's happening in the outside environment, yeah. it also gives them the tools to develop solutions almost instantly. Okay. So uh, I think change muscle, citizen development uh, go nearly uh, hand in hand. And if you want to uh, look it up, there is the, I think it's the Adaptability University. Mm -hmm. And they have this still called an adaptability coefficient, which is your ability to respond to the changes in your uh, environment. Okay. And, but I, just to go back, I think that starts with being completely aware of what's going on in the outside world. And the more you are aware and the more, the more people within your organization are aware, the quicker your clock speed, the quicker your ability to make decisions. And uh, ultimately, the aim should be is that the clock speed of your organization is similar or faster than the clock speed outside of your organization. And that in itself is incredibly difficult. So how do you spot trends in situations like uh, this? Well, OK. Um, I, I think that the principle is rubbish in, rubbish out. Mm -hmm. And I think if you, well, I've, I've done it. If you analyze the, uh, the type of, if you would eat McDonald's mm -hmm. every day, I would say that within a few years you would die of some terrible uh, disease because it's super unhealthy. And I think most uh, CEOs and entrepreneurs have an information diet that is similar to McDonald's. Okay. So the information that they feed themselves is of an incredibly poor quality. And uh, so you should analyze your current information dash dashboard and then wonder how good that information dashboard that is and how relevant uh, that is. And then build a dashboard where you start looking for quality information that's relevant to your company. Okay. And, and that immediately brings you in, including forward-looking type of uh, sources of information. So uh, a must is uh, the Singularity University. So. Uh, a must should be MIT review, a must should be Harvard Business Review, a must is, God, uh, interesting engineering, and it's literally a whole list of, uh, now, I have a list of 20, and I'd be happy to give it to people, it's, it's somewhere in my blogs, you can, uh, you, can, uh, you can find them. There are a number of sources of information that you should just be aware of. If you do that for a month, so you, you read Singularity University every day, and all the stuff that come up, you go, whoa, that's interesting. If you do that for a month, your whole perspective on the world has fundamentally changed, which means that your ability to make different strategic decisions has changed, which means that you are much more aware, not only of the things that are happening now, which is sort of the, whether uh, Prince Harry is fighting with the, the, the royals uh, is completely irrelevant to your business. But ChatGPT, and actually there's an article today that I read that uh, they have actually uh, put in the genes of an alligator into mm -hmm. a fish to keep the fish more healthy. Now, hmm, now is it relevant for a lot of 
also it's not uh, irrelevant. But if you think those things to, into that extreme, I bet you there will be a point in time where that could become very relevant to your company. So not only do you need to be aware, but then you need to actively engage with them, think them through into their extremes, constantly asking whether it's relevant uh, or not, then nearly take a position on the pendulum of change where you want to be because everything is action and uh, reaction. The example I always use is uh, because we have so much technology, what do have most people on their floor in their houses? And the answer is wood. We're going back to nature. <laughs> so we have lots of people that love iPhones. And what you see nearly as a trend is that people are going back to Nokia's, the old ones, or have completely dismissed uh, phones. We're now into uh, detoxing from social media as a, as, a, as a trend. So there's always a pendulum. And your company can take a position on any part of that uh, uh, pendulum. <coughs> I wonder whether the, uh, whether the trends are hard or soft, mm -hmm. and uh, there is the, the guy is uh, his name is Buras who has developed a whole thinking around that. So hard trends are demographics. Mm -hmm. So in a world where everything is getting older, what would be a really big opportunity? I would say health would be a big opportunity, and uh, elderly care will be a big opportunity. And there's no denying demographics. Regulation is a hard uh, trend. And there's a few others that you can you literally know what they're going to what's going to happen based on those trends. AI is a trend. Mm -hmm. No denying uh, 3D printing is a hard trend. There's a few things that you know are for sure going to to happen. And if you want to add on to it, I don't know. Are you familiar with Triz? No. T R I Z. No. Triz is uh, a, concept, a uh, methodology that was developed by a uh, Russian uh, researcher who studied thousands of patents. Mm -hmm. And there are 40 or 50 fundamental development lines that new ideas follow. They get smaller, they get bigger. Uh, that's, that, that's, so a lot of things are just fully predictable. And then there are soft trends where you would go, okay, weak signal might or might not uh, happen, and you could ignore them a little bit uh, more. So if you look at uh, blockchain, I would say blockchain and transparency is a hard trend, inevitable that that is going to happen. Mm -hmm. Is crypto a hard trend? Maybe. Now, is something going to change in the way we use money? Definitely. But if whether crypto or Bitcoin is going to be the, the way forwards, yeah, so is that a hard or a soft trend? So you need to constantly need to ask uh, the, the questions. You need to be aware of your old filter bubble, which mm -hmm. we all, so you need to create some uh, serendipity. You need to move a little bit to the fringes. So uh, who are the really out there uh, gurus? Uh, da Silva is uh, an example. Uh, Diamandis is an example of a, of a guru. There's a few people that you can literally uh, name. I, I think Nassim Taleb is a mm -hmm. really interesting uh, person to, uh, to follow. So you look a bit at the, the fringes, you do some things that are outside of your normal uh, routine. You have a number of companies to follow. So whatever you say about Amazon, they are pretty out there with their, uh, with their thinking, not only in uh, the way they adopt technology, but also the way they uh, apply management techniques and leadership styles. Mm -hmm. um, 
Google, Microsoft, they're the obvious ones. What are the cool startups? Uh, what are the words that we're using? Chat GPT wasn't a word three months ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, so what are the words that suddenly start popping up uh, everywhere in articles? Because that's an indication uh, trends. What are the VCs investing in? So you, you build a whole smorgasbord of sorts of information. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's too much, so you, but uh, at least stay aware. Apply uh, uh, the filter. Never forget exponential. No, chessboard, one on the first, two on the second. If you go follow the whole chessboard, how much is on the last uh, square of the chessboard? And if you take rice, it's 10 times the production of rice. Okay. And everybody thinks that uh, as human beings, we are linear. Mm -hmm. And we find exponential really difficult to, uh, to understand. But you see exponential trends nearly everywhere, uh, which means that nearly anything that you can imagine Science fiction is becoming science fact, so you, should, you need, really need to write to read science fiction uh, as well. I recommend uh, everybody to play Xbox. Okay. Because uh, from an uh, engagement perspective on the future, it's like playing uh, science fiction in front of you. You get a completely different perspective of uh, the world. And ultimately, this is all about creating a different type of perspective. Okay. where you are at least aware of the things that are happening. Makes sense. But as um, all these things are definitely interesting and um, workable. But on the other hand, we have to admit that by the time that uh, I will decide to start uh, doing uh, this procedure, and I'm referring to the rubbish in, rubbish out, uh, in between there is a decision-making procedure that uh, according to that people are trying to avoid uh, or to eliminate the human error but as we have already seen since 2008 until today especially after the pandemic the human error is something that it is part of life of, of the life so when a new company arises a new co company comes up then the first has to take all this knowledge on the other hand has to keep track on all that stuff that you refer to. And uh, in between, they have to take decisions on a dynamical way. Yeah. So uh, how does this decision-making process and the evidence-based decision-making affects um, the, um, the beauty of the things that you just described? Okay. The, the way, one way of, uh, of doing it is, is classic scenario planning. Mm -hmm. So, see, the way I'm describing it, it sounds like an enormous amount of work with a, a, like, a, a, like piles and piles of information, but all this stuff is, is also a little bit of, uh, of uh, discipline. Uh, mm -hmm. I go way overboard in this stuff, but uh, you need to just work with two, four, five different... Uh, if everyone in your organization picks one interesting fact every month, mm -hmm. and you pick out of those interesting facts, you pick the, you pick the five most interesting facts uh, uh, and you then spend collectively uh, an hour on scenario planning where you just formulate the type of responses that we could uh, take 
towards this type. If this happens, our company should do this or this or this or this or this or this. So it becomes a, might not never happen, but it starts changing the way your mindset works, the way the company works, right. and it allows you to respond. You can't do this all the time because your, your business has to, to run. And then the other one, I think, see, it's very interesting because uh, I don't think, I know we're all striving for optimization, but I think in some ways optimization takes serendipity and innovation out of a uh, organization. And I think that is the kiss of death. I think uh, happy mistakes or brilliant mistakes mm -hmm. are, are the weak signals. It's the outliers and the, un the, uh, the unusual events that are the signals for something interesting and innovative. It's like, this, it's like the spider in the web that literally hears on the left-hand side, like, like little ting-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling, where you go, hmm, that's uh, interesting. And it's actually, it's corporate, in, in corporate intuition that you're talking about. You know, if you have a well-developed intuition, you, you know when your heart sings, you know that something is, is happening, and you go, hmm, that's, that's what you want to develop within a company, corporate intuition as an active medium for change. Awesome, awesome. What do you think the main things um, are for businesses? I know that you are... Uh, okay, um, out, uh, okay. Bit, first but... of all, uh, anybody that claims that they can predict the future, uh, you need to immediately ignore them. So, based on my perspective, okay. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, and... Uh, if you take a, I, what I know most definitely uh, is a hard trend, but it's also something that I'm incredibly uh, passionate about. I think climate change is the biggest business opportunity of this century. I think that uh, our economic models will become circular because mm -hmm. that's the only way we will have, be able to uh, maintain any sense of economic uh, growth. Mm -hmm. I think uh we will move into restorative economics because the only way we will actually define growth in the future is not by taking resources out of the of the of the earth but actually restore them so restorative will become a growth model mm -hmm. so our gross national product will be, be defined in something entirely uh different i think and that's a that's sort of a nearly a meta trend i think technology abstraction is incredibly interesting that which brings me back to citizen development so now a person does not need to know anything about software development because they have uh, developed low code and no code which is literally playing lego with software and you build something and you have done it within an hour two hours uh, i think that's happening with software now mm -hmm. with chat gpt you now can see it's happening with uh, ai Mm -hmm. It will ha happen with uh, CRISPR, it will happen with genetic uh, modification, it will happen with robotics, it will happen on a lot of which means that technology will become available to the ordinary people, and that in itself will create a huge wave of uh, innovation. I hope, and there is a book uh, by, oh, what's his name? Um, he wrote a book called uh, Bank Tree Zero, and it's called Techno Socialism. 
and it's a pretty optimistic perspective on the world, which uh, he hopes that old folks like me and older folks like Joe Biden, Trump, and most of our political leaders will leave and leave it over to the millennials to uh, take over, who are perfectly uh, comfortable with new technology, who have a completely different outlook on life, climate, uh, purpose, etc., etc., and that they will take over and make this world a much better place. I think AI is an obvious trend. I think water is going to be uh, a big trend. What you see is suddenly uh, I see a lot of things around voice, like voice recognition, voice uh, actually assessing health through your voice. Mm -hmm. Suddenly ears are becoming uh, a medium. Your skin is becoming uh, a, a medium. So there's a lot of things happening around the whole world of uh, wearables. Synthetic biology is something that is super uh, interesting. And in all those things, I think it's not a question of if, but when. And I think it's all, it's going to take longer than we expect, but quicker than, uh, than we know. Mm -hmm. 3D and 4D. I mean, uh, if I was a transport company or if I was a manufacturing company, I would start to wonder about how I'm going to manufacture in the future. Okay. Because it will all be distributed. Mm -hmm. And then on a positive note, uh, what happens if energy becomes abundant? Because ultimately, if we have solar as our source of energy and we have fusion as a solar energy, and if you believe in exponential, where this inevitably will happen, mm -hmm. uh, suddenly things that we think are scarce at the moment will become free. Okay. Now, uh, and then when things become free, a lot of the econ economic models that we're currently working on become completely uh, useless. And then we're, then we're in the world of Star Trek, and then we're in the world of uh, basic incomes. So do I know? No, but uh, do I know that climate is a hard trend? Do I know that AI is a hard trend? 3D printing is a hard trend. Uh, distribute, distribute, distributed anything are going to be trends. Uh, and I think it's back to my point. That's all lovely. And a friend of mine, uh, when I talk to him about this, he calls this bullshit bingo. <laughs> what do I have to do with uh, irrelevant? Mm -hmm. They are interesting thought experiments. If they fit within your strategic filter, they are relevant. Mm -hmm. If they're not, leave it. I think nano paint is the best example. So here you are, you are a traditional painter and you paint walls brush, paint, and you paint. But now there's nano paint. And nano paint is a box, and exists, yeah. that you put on the wall, it analyzes the outer skin of the wall, it goes, okay, the nanobots get released, they eat the outer skin, and now you have a nanobots all over the wall, and then you tell the box to go yellow, and the wall goes yellow. You call it backpack little nanobots have a backpack and they go uh, this yellow placard and you know the mexican wave in uh, in the stadiums so yeah. we all go yellow and then you say nah yellow no red and they take out their uh, red placards and and we have a red wall any type of color could make it into a large tv doesn't matter exponential it will go anywhere the question now as a traditional painter is you have now two questions on the pendulum of change 
do people want nano paint on their wall? Some people will go absolutely not because if, we, if those nano paint bots get hacked, mm -hmm. they become killer bots. And uh, one day I'm sitting on the couch watching TV and suddenly I feel my leg being eaten away by nanobots that are gone haywire. So absolutely not. I want additional uh, paint. Other people want the, the best of the best and they want nano paint. So do you stay a traditional painter or do you become a nano engineer as a painter? And that's exactly the two pendulums or anything in between. And that is exactly the question that you constantly need to ask on any type of uh, topic. And that's, I think, what's excitement, exciting about strategy development and awareness, because once you do it, the world becomes a super, super interesting uh, place. I find it most of the time incredibly cheerful because so, you literally like brain interface. Seriously. So uh, they have now there's today they have, uh, there's a brain implant that have been studied for 70 years that works. So they will plant something in your brain where you can move things with your thought, which is telepathy. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, if you think exponential and extreme, where do you think that is going to go? If they can uh, mix fish with alligators, why would you not augment yourself uh, as a human being and get a few gills? So when climate change actually hits and the water rises, just build some gills and we just be, become dolphins. Etc. And uh, once you once you think that, you go, whoa! <laughs> All right. But to go back. Obviously, that's too far out, but uh, uh, there are things. See, I think the point is, if you do that, mm -hmm. particularly over a long, sustained period of year, you find lots of lots of really interesting uh, opportunities that as a company, you can choose to exploit. But if you don't do it, you have uh, you have been left with no choice. Mm -hmm. And that's the point. So all your strategic options will be taken away from you ultimately. The more you become anticipatory, if that's a word, the more options you have you available to you, the more time you are constantly buying for yourself to keep on surviving as a company. Excellent. Where someone can find you? Uh, basically, what is the ideal reason for someone to uh, contact you? If this resonates with you, mm -hmm. If you are worried about your information dashboard, mm -hmm. if you are worried about your uh, ability to anticipate, and this is the this is this is the advertisement and the selling, uh, we developed a really simple three-step uh, strategic development program, yeah. which literally is developing your information dashboard, developing your strategic uh, filter, and get your companies to do some scenario planning. Okay. Once you build the capability, we walk away because you can do it uh, yourself if you need help with your. So I get some. I, I develop this thing called Mind Candy, which you find on LinkedIn every day. Mm -hmm. I do the same for uh, companies, and what it, it just does, it keeps you aware as an organization. So if you want to keep aware, if you want to reinvent yourself, and if you want to have some really interesting strategic conversations, you can give me a call. 
Okay, and before the call, what are the books that uh, someone can read of those you... Uh, oh, yeah. So, uh, I have sent you this uh, book, which is based on a study. We did some uh, study for the uh, European Commission on best practice and next, next practice for entrepreneurship in small and medium-sized companies. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is a book about books on entrepreneurship. Basically, it's about how to develop uh, the change muscle. Uh, people that are listening to this uh, podcast can uh, send me an email and I will send it for free. Or you have a copy of it, so feel free to send it uh, to, uh, to them. And anybody that wants to talk to me about entrepreneurship, I'm more, I'm, that's a subject. Sorry. I think there's an interesting sweet spot between entrepreneurship and climate change. Mm -hmm. Uh, so anybody's interested in exploring that as a, as a, as a topic of conversation, I'm all ears. Okay. Ron, it was very uh, insightful conversation. There were Thank you. loads of um, information and uh, the, the perspective that uh, you that you came up with is really impressive. Uh, I was thrilled to, to hear you. Uh, describing all those interesting things that um, that you are aware of and that are coming uh, in the future. Uh, it was great pleasure and honor to have you here with us today. I hope like you experience. I uh, enjoyed it. I hope I didn't uh, yap away too much because I have a tendency to get carried away as well. That is never an issue in a podcast. <laughs> Good. Okay. Excellent. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, for more information about Ron, his books, and uh, the free uh, copy of his book that he kindly offered to uh, uh, to us and definitely to you, uh, information down to the um, uh, description of this episode. Thank you and looking forward to see you in the next one. Ron, have a Thank great Thank you. Week. It's been a pleasure. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm.